Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, it's Monday, April the 24th. Hope you had a good weekend. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. And we're going to start with some really sad news as former Strictly Come Dancing judge Len Goodman has died at the age of 78. He lived in Item near Sevenoaks and ran a dance academy in Dartford. He's understood to have passed away at a hospice in Tunbridge Wells on Saturday after previously being diagnosed with bone cancer. Well, Lucy's been looking back at his life and reading some of the many tributes that have been posted online. Len was actually an apprentice welder before changing his career. You know, who am I? I'm just a dance teacher from Dartford. He ended up turning professional and won a number of competitions before joining Strictly as head judge. And it wasn't long before he had a famous catchphrase. Seven. He also worked on the US version of the show for more than 15 years before announcing his retirement last November. This will be my last season judging on Dancing with the Stars. As you'd expect, lots of tributes have been paid today. Kent's James Jordan, who used to be a pro on Strictly, has tweeted, I'm actually devastated. What an amazing man that was always lovely to me and Ola all our years of knowing him. He is a Strictly legend. RIP, my old friend. My thoughts are with all of his family at this difficult time. Claudia Winkleman, who co-hosts the show, has posted, I'm so sad about Len. He was one of a kind, a brilliant and kind man, full of twinkle, warmth and wit, sending all love to his family and friends. Fellow judge Craig Revel Horwood says, My heart and love go out to his lovely Sue and family. Len Goody Goodman is what I always called him, and it's a 10 from Len and 7 will live with me forever. R.I.P. Len. While Bruno Tonioli, who used to be on Strictly and is now a judge on Britain's Got Talent, says, I will treasure the memories of our adventures. There will never be anyone like you. You will always be my perfect ten. Darcy Bustle, who was also a judge on the show, has said he gave me such support on my time at Strictly. I feel so lucky to have worked with such a professional, funny, lovable man. Thank you for the special memories. Len was an incredibly popular Kent resident. The town centre manager for Gravesend has written on Twitter that he's long had links there through the Grove Dance School. They've added that his son James ran tea dances and Len attempted the salsa record at the Riverside Festival a few years ago. And finally, Sevenoaks District Council have said we're incredibly sad to hear of the passing of Len Goodman. He was a huge supporter of our community and voluntary awards and he will be deeply missed. Our thoughts with his family at this time. Lucy, thanks so much. You can also leave a tribute today by commenting on the story at Kent Online or by adding a comment on our socials. Kent Online News. Other top stories for you today and two teenage girls have been arrested after armed police were called to Maidstone Town Centre. There were reports of someone with a weapon in Week Street yesterday afternoon. Officers seized imitation firearms and took the girls into custody. Charities are warning thousands of refugee children could be locked up under the government's new asylum bill. Tougher laws are being proposed to try and stop people crossing the channel to Kent in small boats. But the Home Office says young unaccompanied asylum seekers will only be detained in exceptional circumstances. Meantime, an appeal hearing's due to start to decide whether High Court judges were right to dismiss legal bids against plans to send asylum seekers to Rwanda. A ruling was made back in December but campaigners are looking to overturn it. Now the government says the policy 
policy will put people off crossing the channel to Kent in small boats, but charities and experts are worried it won't work and could be inhumane. Figures show nearly 500 people crossed the channel in small boats on Saturday, a new daily record for this year so far. Next today, and a young deaf boy from Kent, along with his family, are campaigning for a life-changing therapy to be backed by the government. Callum Herholt was born deaf but attends a mainstream school after having access to the auditory verbal therapy, which helped him learn to listen and speak. The nine-year-old says one of his favourite things to do is chat with his younger sister. Well, as part of Deaf Awareness Week, charity AV UK is delivering a letter to the Prime Minister calling for early support for hearing-impaired children. Callum's mum, Ingrid, says they found out he was deaf when he was just eight weeks old and were able to give him early access to the therapy. AV UK, so it involves um, a session, only an hour session every second week. Um, we did it for Callum when he um, when he was nine months old. We started this therapy, and then it's all for preschool um, age. So you stop just before you start school, um, and the sessions were um, based on play. So Callum would come in, um, and his um, his therapist was called Frances, and she'd just have a, some other game on the table, and it would be uh, very interactive, but really encouraging Callum to make. Um, sounds initially when he was nine months old any kind of a sound was great Um, and then getting more and more interaction with him and the toy and encouraging language through that we live in in a in a verbal world and um, for us as a family it was important to be able to make Callum's life as easy as possible and we knew he could take on language so getting him to actually speak um, was important to us and it you know it just means he can integrate in a mainstream school he can um, participate in family um, events um, you know he's he's able to kind of live a, a, a life as if he had that um, additional sense of hearing which he doesn't um, and that is all down to the support he received really early on in his life um, it's I think it's much harder if if that support is delayed and um, once children start school, there's so much that they have to start learning quite quickly. And if you then add on to that child the addition of trying to um, catch up something that they've lost early on in terms of uh, speech or language development, it just it makes it hard for the for those little people. Um, where that upfront investment in Callum's development has made such a difference for his difference for his development going forward. Callum has also been telling the podcast how the therapy has changed his life. Made um, a big difference. And um, ever since I've learned to speak, I've been quite a big talker. And all that, all my talking, wouldn't be available if it wasn't for AUK and NHS for getting my for getting my hearing aid. So um, being in school with other children who can hear as well is fine. So um, as far as I'm concerned, it, it what really matters is if, if you can communicate with people and, and talk. If you can't, and if you don't know sign language, then it's gonna be a really tough life for you. Whereas if you know how to communicate properly, you can actually um, 
Have a better life. Kent Online reports. It's emerged a Margate woman died after accidentally overdosing when heat from an electric blanket caused a pain-killing patch to release more drugs than normal. 33-year-old Elizabeth Rose had been on medication for Crohn's disease and was found at a home in January last year. Other drugs and alcohol were also in her system, but an inquest heard there was no suggestion she intended to end her life. A man wanted for domestic abuse offences has been arrested after travelling at over 100 miles per hour on the A2. He tried to get away from Kent Police, but they managed to stop his vehicle using a tactical pursuit and containment manoeuvre. Officers also found a machete in the car. A court's heard how a man caused £200,000 worth of damage to his Kent school just to steal lead worth less than £300. Jimmy Smith took metal from the roof of Bobbing Village School in November 2021. The 25-year-old from Juno Road in Milton Regis is now facing a prison sentence. A Dover fast food restaurant has closed down after health inspectors found what they've described as an infestation of rodents. Droppings were discovered throughout the tower kebab shop. There also wasn't any anti-back spray or hand wash on site. Owners were told to do a deep clean and get help from pest control, but it shut permanently instead. Now, a new survey has been launched to uncover the scale of online bullying and harassment for children in Kent. National data shows more than half of youngsters have their own phone by the age of seven and spend an average of three hours, 20 minutes a day using them. Well, the county's police and crime commissioners urging all under-18s to fill in a questionnaire so they can come up with better ways to protect children. I've been chatting to Matthew Scott. Well, firstly, it's to rerun a survey we ran some time ago. So it's important to track trends and new behaviours that we're seeing. Secondly, it's to raise awareness of Stalking Awareness Week, which is taking place this week. And we want to know how this crime is impacting upon young people. But thirdly, it's to direct our activity locally. So we have a schools programme which we're running with Collaborate Digital, which educates young people about online behaviours and healthy relationships. And this will help us identify any issues that we need to address, which comes as a result of the survey, but also maybe some areas or districts where we need to maybe focus on a bit more. You've highlighted in the release that you've sent us just the vast numbers of young people who have access now to a phone or other sorts of technology. I mean, at the age of seven, we're finding that over half of young people have access to a phone. Does that mean you might need to sort of tailor how your um how your colleagues are given those those lessons or the sorts of things that you might want to chat about with those young people i think that's right and i think we need to be very open about the fact that the access to technology is a very real thing now uh, it's something i'll have to confront myself as a parent my eldest is only 5 but uh, at some point in the future this is going to be an issue so we can work with schools um our program is already looking at primary schools and secondary schools but also what maybe we need to do with parents as well to educate them more on the risks uh, and how they can support their loved ones their children uh, to maybe cease behaviours or to, if they've been a victim of these behaviours as well, particularly things where we're seeing financial crimes being taken, uh, undertaken by young people on behalf of gangs uh, so that they can step in and intervene and, and help them. So it's really helpful that we do this exercise to understand its problem in its widest sense. Yeah, my daughter's 14 and I've just had to join Snapchat because it seems to be the only way to be able to <laughs> communicate somehow, but also to sort of understand the technology that she's using and how people message and how images can be saved and that sort of thing. 
How important do you think it is that parents keep that dialogue open with their children as well? I think it's really important that you know, parents and children have an open relationship with each other with regards to access to technology, um, because it is in the interests of, of both parties. I mean, we, we talk about some of the mainstream apps like Snapchat, Instagram and TikTok, for example. But the concern is actually probably around some of those emerging applications which become a trend for a little while, then die away. And then it's a new app which becomes uh, available. And it's about probably knowing about the ones we don't know about, which are, are probably more concerning, which are more easily hidden. Uh, so I think we, we need to encourage the use of all parental settings on phones and that, in, that dialogue so that we can understand if there are apps that maybe we're not aware of. Uh, which uh, could be causing bigger problems. And perhaps more for older children, older teenagers, perhaps. How important is it that they're aware that they can get into trouble by doing certain things online, which perhaps they, they think, oh, it's just a joke. You know, if I'm sending someone some horrible messages or or threatening them by using a photo or whatever, how, how important is it that they've got that message that actually this is a very serious offence? You're absolutely correct. You know, there are offences which young people could be charged with, which are very serious, particularly where uh, they are sharing um, images uh, where, where they're maybe naked or showing body parts and other things as well. There are some really serious offences which do apply to young people as well, particularly around sharing of images. So it's important that we do the education to make sure that they are fully aware uh, of uh, the law uh, and the consequences for doing so, but also where we can help victims of these offences as well. So, Matthew, you're wanting lots of people to get involved and take part in this survey. What do they need to do to do that? Um, please visit my website, which is kent-pcc.gov.uk, where you can find the survey. Uh, and in a safe way, please do share this with friends and family as well so that we can get the po widest possible response and, and act your views. Kent Online reports. A road's going to be closed for the next two months while work continues on the redesign of the Stockbury roundabout. The busy junction off the M2 near Sittingbourne is being changed in a bid to ease congestion. And in fact, you can see drone pictures of the progress so far today at Kent Online. It's actually one of our most read stories on the website. Well, Maidstone Road that runs off the Stockbury roundabout will be closed until the 19th of June. Free bus travel is being offered to affected residents. A former soldier who suffered post-traumatic stress disorder 20 years after serving in Bosnia has revealed how he's been supported by a Kent charity. Andy turned to drink and ended up on the streets after leaving his family. He's now living at the Royal British Legion Industries in Aylesford, which provides accommodation for ex-servicemen. They're currently trying to raise £100,000 to expand their facilities. You can find out about their fundraising and how to donate by heading to the story on the website. Plans to build more than 200 homes next to a former coal mine near Deal have been given the go-ahead. The new development in Betts Hangar will also include office space and shops. Elsewhere, there's been a backlash over plans to turn the old Woolworth store in Faversham into flats. Developers want to knock down the multi-save building on Market Street and build 23 apartments as well as a new shop. Residents are concerned the designs aren't in keeping with the historic town centre, though. And bosses at Ashford United Football Club have announced plans to build nine homes at the entrance to their ground. They want to use an overflow parking area off Ashford Road in Kings North. They say money from the development would be used to pay for upgrading their stadium. Next today, and with exam season getting underway, a psychotherapist from Kent has some advice for parents of anxious teens. It can be a pretty difficult time for households with GC 
GCSE and A-level exams, as well as all the stress of waiting for the results. And teenagers can often become overwhelmed. Well, Paula Gardner is a psychotherapist from the Good Therapy Practice in Folkestone and Hythe, and she's been speaking to Kate for the podcast. The things to look out for are irritability, just not engaging when parents are asking, or how how are you doing, or how's the revision going, um, that sort of thing. Um, one thing that I have noticed also is that sometimes, not not always, but sometimes you know teenagers can get together and and sort of work themselves up into some sort of big state around it. And even if your child didn't start off being a little bit anxious, sort of being around with other people and and talking about it in, in that way can sort of start to affect them so if they start talking about how their friends are feeling it's worthwhile just thinking oh okay are you sort of trying to tell me in a roundabout way that you're feeling like this as well um sleep issues is another one I know with teenagers and young people it is it is tricky with sleep because that's also a time when you know they do go to sleep a bit later and and like to, to sleep in but if they start having sleep problems that's that's another side or again app changes in appetite I think a lot of parents know they can feel it in the gut when when something is is up. It is it is a tricky time, exam season. So it is likely that you know emotions are going to be a bit more heightened anyway. Um, but yes, if their gut is telling them that okay, you know my child is is acting very differently, then or even not, even just sitting down and having a conversation and saying, you know, how are you feeling about this? You know how you you know how how's how's stress how's how's it you know how's your work going making it an open conversation rather than an interrogation Mm -hmm. um so one of the ways to do that is basically to start doing it as soon as possible just raising it casually and then you know checking in a week or a couple of weeks later and seeing if things are the same um parents often tell me it's a bit tricky to talk to children um so one one nice little trick is to do it when you're not facing each other. So it could be when you're side by side in the car or walking somewhere, or even if, you know, if you're very lucky and, and your kids help you out making dinner um, when you're doing something, because it's, it's seen as not, not so threatening or intrusive and you're more likely to get sort of a, a more normal and natural response. Are there other things that parents can do around the household, maybe nonverbal signals that they that they can give to their children that, you know, it's a calming environment and that everything's going to be OK and that, that to make sure the child feels well supported? Yeah. Yeah. So basically keeping things as normal as possible, um, encouraging if they're in the midst of revision or anxious, encouraging the child to actually have breaks, because, of course, you do get the really studious ones who just, you know, want to go for it you know as much as possible um and it it can be a break for for the family really so it could be a walk walking out in nature is a really good thing to do getting all that that stimulation especially in the morning before 11 o'clock you get a certain type of sunlight called lux which is really good for us for our health um you know, if their child goes to, you know, drama or judo or something, encouraging them to continue to do this. So when you encourage relaxation, it's not so much just sitting down watching, you know, something on Disney Plus or whatever. It's it's more about going out and doing something or, you know, getting together and, you know, even baking cakes, that sort of thing. It's about having a proper 
the proper rest and recharge, really. Kent Online News. You can follow Kent Online on socials today to see some incredible pictures of lightning over Kent last night. There was also really heavy rain and thunder in areas around Sittingbourne and Medway. Forecasters say another storm could hit the county later. A Medway hospital worker who binned toys and books used by children at the start of the COVID outbreak is now having to fundraise to replace them. Thousands of pounds worth of items were destroyed amid fears they could spread the virus. Well, Anne McKinnon is now vowing to replace them and has organised a fun day at Gillingham's Priestfield Stadium next month. A clifftop property in Kent that's said to have one of the most dramatic views in the county has gone on the market. The former Coast Guard station is at St Margaret's near Dover and up for sale for just under a million pounds. There is just one catch, though. It doesn't have planning permission for residential use, so unfortunately you couldn't live there all the time. A group set up to support people fleeing the war in Ukraine has been given a top award. Medway Help for Ukrainians has organised families to host refugees, put on jobs fairs and even run sessions for children to get together. Well, the people behind it have been named as the winners of this year's Pride in Medway. Sarah Daly is one of the trustees. It's just absolutely amazing. As I think Joe mentioned, we're the new kids on the block. Um, everybody in that room... Uh, I think pretty much everyone in that room we've had interaction with. So the thing that we first found when we came in was there were all these amazing people doing amazing things across Medway that we we hadn't even we didn't know about, and so we've networked with them. So to be in a room with all those people who've helped us is truly humbling. Um, it, it uh, you know really amazing is what I'd say. And how do you think you have helped the people who've come over into a completely alien environment almost? They don't speak the same language. They they don't know anything about Medway. You've made them feel so welcome. How do you think they would feel about you getting this award tonight? Um, well, a lot of them were here. I think, as you know, we're already um, serving. So they were serving our tables. But the most amazing thing for us is so we had people who came over um, in the initial um, sort of March last year, March and April. They've now moved on, so we've organised um, English lessons here with the help of Med, sort of uh, Mid Kent College, um, and to see them who they didn't actually speak um, really any English, they're now holding conversations with us, and we have other areas where they drop into, um, and so now seeing them actually here, um, they're part of our community. The one thing I would say about every Ukrainian I've met, they are the most resilient uh, people. Uh, friendly, welcoming, and they just want to get on. They want to be part of our community. Um, uh, it's, it's wonderful. And to, as I said, to see them all here tonight was fab. Obviously, none of us wanted to see the conflict going on for as long as it has done. It's been over a year now. Presumably, you're going to continue working for as long as you're needed. So I think initially, when we started this up, we were thinking, oh, maybe a year. <laughs> um, and we had the first uh, influx of people and so we were working with them. So we provided schools, um, accommodation, help with sponsor, lots of different things, therapy sessions. Now we're seeing a new influx of people because what actually happened was a lot of people held themselves up in Europe thinking this is going to be a six-month thing. Now the reality is it's going to be longer. Nobody knows how long. So they are now coming up. So we have now a new wave of Ukrainian refugees coming in. Uh, some of them have got family who are now coming in. They've held in Ukraine, especially elderly parents, um, and they're now bringing them over. So I don't see the charity stopping anytime soon, to be totally truthful. Yeah, sorry to, I mean, it's sad to have to say that, isn't it? But you are doing amazing work. Any other message that you would have this evening? 
Slava Ukraini. And Ed Sheeran's managed to hang on to the number one spot on the Kent Top 40 over on our sister radio station, KMFM. Eyes Closed beat Lewis Capaldi's new track, Wish You the Best, which is at number two. Flowers by Miley Cyrus is still at number three. Kent Online Sports. Football first, and it was a great point on the road for Gillingham at the weekend. They took the lead against Bradford City thanks to a strike from Tim Dieng in the first half, but the home side bounced back to lead 2-1 until Ollie Hawkins got an equaliser in the 98th minute. Jill's manager, Neil Harris, has been sharing his thoughts on the game. First half was magnificent. Absolutely excellent. Should have been 3 or 4 up at half-time. Um, I thought we pressed the ball. I thought our shape, the way we contained them, um, the way we dealt with Andy Cook, um, the turnover possession, how we used the ball so well, got in good areas, created chance after chance, and ultimately should have been well clear at half-time. Game should have been dead and buried. What we knew was Bradford would react um, at half-time. The team that's trying to get promoted always are going to respond um, and put you on a little bit of pressure. I felt we brought a little bit on under ourselves. Um, I thought we could have stood up a little bit stronger mentally than we did, and that's certainly an area that's got to improve for next season. Um, but then when we went behind, we had, we had the desire and the drive um, to get back in it, and, and even then, before we scored, uh, Nico could have had a hat trick, uh, 20 yarder, but then two chance. I think I, I think we should score with, um, and he'll be disappointed he hasn't scored. Um, so yeah, on on balance of play and chances created, yeah, we we, we deserved at least a point if not more. Even at one one, I put an extra centre forward on the pitch because we've earned the right to we've earned the right to um, you know be in that position to you know throw, roll the dice a little bit. You know, too many times we've, we've had to sit back and, and soak up pressure late in games. Um, so we've, we've, it's the fourth time we've conceded in the last eight minutes of games recently. And then when I talk about mentality, that's, that's what's got to change. Today, I look at myself a little bit because I put the extra body on the pitch. Um, but when you do that, put an extra player on the pitch, then you've got to make sure you take care of the ball when you've got it. And uh, we didn't do that um, before before conceding. After that, we was excellent again. Um, so delighted for Ollie. Um, obviously, he only came out of the team uh, against Stockport because he was ill um, and couldn't hasn't forced his way back in yet. Um, but that's that's how to respond. And that's when you want impact subs and your game changers. Then Ollie Hawkins has you know stepped up really well. And goal scorer Ollie Hawkins has been telling our sports reporter Luke Cordell what he thought of their performance. I was watching because I was on the bench. Um, I thought the first half was probably one of the best I've seen us. Um, it was really good, really organised, could have been two or three up. Um, really dominated that first 20 minutes, half an hour, and really um, rided out the last sort of 10, 15 minutes defensively really well. And then, and then second half, um, battled hard and I thought thoroughly deserved a, a point in the end. Um, maybe could have got three. Last time we spoke to you, I think you were saying now you're more than goals in your game. You do a bit of everything, but when you do score, how does it feel? Yeah, it's always a great feeling, and it's one part of being a striker is you, you can't get the feeling out that the excitement you get from when you score, and especially when you have equalisers or match winners, they're, they're brilliant. And today's an equaliser to get us a point, so uh, I'll be very happy this sort of weekend, and, and then look forward to the next game. Before your goal as well, you were scrapping down the other end as well, weren't you? I think Cookie was still trying to get another goal, and you were having to defend yeah. all over the place, weren't you? Yes, obviously. When I come on, obviously, it's, 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 a, it's a task for me to sort of try and do good as, a, as well as I can, both boxes, if it's defensive and it's, if it's a long throw and attacking corners for us. Um, yeah, i just got to try and do my job and, and, and do well as I can. And, and again, it paid off today um, and I'm, I'm just delighted. Nice to show that you can mix it with the best in this division the last few games. Oh, yeah. And it, I think the last three, three games, I don't know, Salford, Lake Norrin, Northampton, these all top six sides, all 
a few of them are going to be promoted or one of them's been promoted already and maybe a couple others and we, we're more than capable with the squad we've got and looking forward to next season now to, to be one of them teams that are going to be that as well um, Newport next at home on paper it's two teams that are sort of near, near to mid-table nothing sort of riding on it but as players I guess there is yeah and, and we'll want to keep our home form up um, we're going to want to start strong um, and again whatever team plays is I'm sure they're going to give it all and, and we come away there with three points going into the last game of the season There are just two games of the season left for the Jills and in cricket Kent's county championship match against Essex has ended in a draw play was abandoned because of heavy rain on the final day in Canterbury yesterday the visitors had set a big target of 452 in their first innings but Kent were batting quite well they'd finished on 342 for seven their next game is against Middlesex at Lords and gets underway on Thursday. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. And to sign up to that, just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.